last Sunday, we talked about that Lazarus story, and I was thinking last Sunday as I was sitting there, well, what can I do next Sunday that has anything to do with the story? Because it really just seemed to be uh, all about, you know, the death of Lazarus, calling forward Lazarus. As we remember, for those of us who are here, what that was was about calling forward unfulfilled dreams and bringing those back into manifestation in our lives, materialize them through our own personal responsibility, taking action in our lives, not letting those dreams just kind of rot away right in the dark or on a shelf. And as I was sitting there, I started to think about, actually those words, it's funny, those words came back, back up again, the right road, but it took the wrong turn. I was thinking of the right time, wrong time. How was it Jesus was always in the right place at the right time? Because one, he was definitely connected with that higher power, right? Jesus was an intuitive. Today we may call them mediums, back then they called them prophets. Jesus always knew where he needed to be. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring forward a law today because we don't usually bring forward laws. But this is the law of timing. Maybe today we call it divine timing, right? In the right place at the right time. And when to lead, Jesus knew this, when to lead is just as important as where you go and what you do, right? And so it's interesting because Jesus knew that principle. Jesus was a transformational leader. He was a spiritual strategist. Very strategic in the way he did or did not do things. If you read those stories, you'll see their strategy in everything he does. And so what happens when we take that right action at the wrong time? When we take the right action at the wrong time, we get resistance in our life, right? Because the timing is not right. Divine timing does not allow us to step into that flow. So there's a blockage. There's something holding us back. Now, how many of us have friends who have messy lives? Say, I. I. <laughs> right? We do. And because we go to the Metaphysical Chapel of South Florida, and because we're meta-wise, meta, meta we love to share our opinions. Right? And so sometimes we want to go help these people who have messy lives. But what's going on? Your intention is right, but it's the wrong time. It's divine time. When, when, when you do the right action at the right time, you are in divine time. Does that make sense? Okay, so when you do the right action at the wrong time, that person's there is resistance because that person is not ready to receive or hear what you have to say. So no matter how much metaphysical truth or wisdom you give them, life experiences, they don't want to hear it. No matter how many times poor Reverend Tim goes to help all of his friends, and he goes and he helps and he helps and he helps, and they're not ready to receive it, right? And so it frustrates him because he's a giver, always serving. But we have to understand that when we step into that, when we, when we meditate more, when we pray more, that's what helps us get into that channel we call divine timing, the flow, right? So right time, right action leads to divine timing. How many of us, <laughs> this is cute, I thought of this a few days ago. How many of us have, uh, have asked someone to marry them on the first date other than Riverton? <laughs> He's a dreamer. But how many of us have ever done that? Probably none of us. Maybe one or two. Oh, I see a couple of hands. Oh, you're great. So why did most of us say no? Because it's not the right time to do that, right? It's the right intention, but it's the wrong time, right? It's the right intention, but it's the wrong time. The only purpose, the only reason we date people is to determine if they're compatible for a long life together. That's the purpose of dating. 
And so when we, if we were to go, if we were to step into that vibration and ask them to marry us on the first day, what, what do we get? Resistance, delete, block, swipe left, whatever y'all say. I don't know what it is. But it, that's what happens, you find resistance in life. And so that first date, you, you have the wrong time. Wrong timing. That relationship needs to mature. It needs to cook a little bit. It needs to grow the ingredients. To, you need to be determining how is that cake coming out. Is it coming? Is it going to come out the way you want it? Is there a potential for you to invest in this relationship long term? And that's what you're doing in that. And so you've got to let it cook a while for the biggest impact and big success. Now let's go to that story of Lazarus. Let's go back to that. We may know it, but I'm going to put you through a little recap. So Lazarus is outside of Jerusalem in a little town called Bethany, a couple of miles away. It's kind of like the Pompano of Jerusalem, right? A couple of miles away. He's critically ill. Some of his spiritual sisters, Martha and Mary Magdalene, they, uh, they are all concerned about him. So they send word to Jesus, who's out a couple of days journey away with his disciples. And so they send this word out to Jesus. And Jesus hears this message. And the first thing he did was he began to prophesy. And he told his disciples this. He said, this sickness will not end in death because God's gift to humanity is about to come through me. God's gift to humanity is about to come through me. Did he get up and run and go see Lazarus? No, he didn't. He began to teach. He wasn't concerned about Lazarus. He wasn't concerned about the people back in Jerusalem or in Bethany. He was concerned about the moment being the example. He was concerned about the right action at the right time. And so when we understand this, Jesus understood this principle, this law of timing. We call it divine timing. He waited two days. That's what the story says. Why didn't he wait one day? Why didn't he wait seven days? Why didn't he wait 40 days or 40 nights? It's interesting. In Kabbalistic numerology, we understand, when we, when, for those of us who do read a lot of the Bible, and in seminary we had to do a lot of that. We had to read all this Kabbalistic numerology. There's so many numbers in the Bible. Why was the earth, why was creation in the creation story created in seven days? Because it simply meant a time of completion. That's what seven means. And so all these stories are more stories instead of reality. And so in this story of Lazarus, Jesus waits two days. Why? Because he understood Kabbalistically that two means a union, a coming together of facts that includes witnesses. That's what two means. Isn't that interesting? A coming together of facts that includes witnesses. So Jesus waited two days. After two days, he told his, told his disciples, let's go to Bethany, let's go find Jesus, let's go find Lazarus. And then they're like, you can't go there. We just left Jerusalem. They're ready to stone you. They're ready to kill you. And he said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem to Bethany. And so they pack up and they go. And, and, and on the way, Jesus begins to teach them. And so what he says to them is this, how many hours are in a day of sunlight. How many hours of sunlight are in a day? And they said 12. And he said, well, if you walk by daylight, you're gonna, you won't stumble because there is the light of day present, the light of the world. And if you walk by night, you're gonna fall, you're gonna stumble, why? Because there's no light. And so what Jesus understood as an Essene, that's the tribe it came from, a mystical tribe of Judaism, Jesus understood this metaphysical truth that that symbology of light that he was trying to impart to those disciples, light means higher wisdom. When you walk in the light, you don't stumble. When you walk in darkness, lack of light, 
you stumble. When you're disconnected from God, you stumble. When you don't meditate and pray, when you don't do spiritual service to others, what we call in Hinduism, sevas. When you don't do spiritual deeds for others, you're not elevating yourself, you're not raising your light. And your life isn't very easy, you're going to stumble. So Jesus was trying to teach them principles of not only right timing, but principles of higher truth. And so Jesus tells these guys, this is kind of the funny moment, he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep and we're going to go, I'm going to wake him up. And so his disciples say, well, but Rabbi, if he's asleep, he's going to get better. And Jesus is like, uh, WTF, uh, why the face? Oh, <laughs> uh, you like the safe? Yeah. I saw that on a TV show. thought I'd use it. Why the face? Basically what he said is, why are you guys so clueless? You have journeyed with me all these years. What the heck is wrong with you people? Why are you so clueless? And so basically he broke it down like this for them. He even got even specific. And he said, dudes, bro, Lazarus is dead and I'm going to raise him from the dead. That's what he told them. He had to break it down so low. He basically told them that he was dead as a doornail, kicked the bucket, bit the dust, hit the delete button. And to those disciples, he told them, because you guys are so clueless, I'm glad I was not at Lazarus' side when he fell sick. Because you're going to walk with me. You're going to see the example of my works, of God's work through me. And you're finally going to believe in what I am telling you. Isn't that kind of crazy? These are supposed to be his strongest supporters. And they're clueless. So what does all this mean? Do you ever have friends that don't believe in your spiritual gifts? I do. Not really friends or acquaintances. Because I try not to surround myself with people like that. That's one of the best gifts I can ever give you. Especially today. The, what is it? Uh, Birds of a feather flock together. You are the company you keep. That is the truth. And so when we surround ourselves with people that don't support our beliefs, our teachings, our spiritual gifts, all you're doing is adding more darkness. You're taking away more light from your journey. So I want to encourage you to begin pulling people closer, like your brothers and sisters here, who support your beliefs, who support your gifts, who support your spiritual service. You will find your life beginning to transform in ways that are incredible. And those people who are naysayers, who don't really get what we do, that's okay. God bless you on your journey. Because there's a journey waiting for you with people who need you in their life. But I don't need you in my life. It's okay to say goodbye to friends. I want to tell you guys that. As Jesus uh, told the disciples, let's go see Lazarus. One thing he knew was, on that second day, this was the right time. It was the divine time to be in that journey. He psychically knew that he had to go to Lazarus. He knew through the process we call clear cognizance, psychic knowing. And so we call that God speak out in the world. Martha uh, ran from Bethany. Mary Magdalene ran from Bethany. They headed out towards Jesus and the disciples on that road. And so along the way, first Martha comes and she says, Rabbi, if you had been there, you wouldn't have died. And then just a little bit later in that scripture, it says it again, but it has a different woman, Mary Magdalene. Why would they repeat that? Why is that so important? Two women saying the same thing. Why would they do that? Why is it so important? It's very interesting because the more I thought about it, I realized those are our friends and our families. And what those friends and family, that's what they represented. They're telling us if, if we had done what they had told us to do, they wouldn't be having problems in their life. That's what Mary, Mary, and, yeah, Mary Magdalene and Martha represent in that story, in that great story. As a people with dreams, your followers, 
the people that surround you, your brothers and sisters, uh, uh, hopefully not here, but what I'm saying is that your family and your friends who don't really get what we teach, you know, those family and friends, they're going to question you. They're going to doubt you. And they certainly are going to test you. Right? They're going to test your dreams. They don't understand your dreams. Why you got all these dreams? Why are you trying to achieve all these great things? Who says that you can do that? I couldn't do that. What makes you so special? And that's what Mary and Martha represent in that story. They're on that road. And so when they come up to Jesus and they ask him this, Martha said, well, let me go back just a little bit. When Jesus got to the cemetery, and Lazarus is in that tomb where that famous stone is at, the stone door, Jesus stood before all those people. This is day four now, right? So Lazarus has been in the tomb for a few days. But there's tons of people from the city of Jerusalem. They're all in mourning, and they're all supporting this family. And Jesus stood out there on this, in this precipice on the stone, and he says, your brother, your spiritual brother, is going to rise again. And so then he tells the people to remove the door, remove that stone door. And so Jesus was, what he was doing in that moment was standing in his truth, willing to manifest destiny, right? Knowing that he was fully embracing the dream. Really, it was a prophecy. It wasn't even a dream. It was something greater than a dream. But for our purposes, he was willing to stand in his dream's truth, in the light of his truth, in front of all these strangers in a situation. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let your dream fly in front of a lot of people who may not understand your dream? And I think that's where we all need to, to step into that vibration. Are you willing to stand before strangers in your truth? Martha said, don't open that door. Because Lazarus has been in there four days. He's, he stinks. He's probably rotting. Don't open that door. What does she represent metaphysically? She represents, she's telling this to Jesus. Why are you doing this? And Jesus, and basically she's representing fear, and she's representing false truth. Isn't that true? She was fearful. It's false truth. The weird part is, she had been a follower of Jesus for so many years. She knew the teachings. Why would she question him? Why did she not have faith in him? So symbolically, that's what she represents. It's like she's telling him, your dream, your prophecy is going to fail. Don't open that door. And what does Jesus do? Put his hand up. Talk to the hand. He told her, it's really interesting, he said, excuse me, didn't I tell you that God works through me? And so he shut the door on all that negativity because he wanted to maintain his focus on the prophecy, on what he had to do for all these people to leave a lasting story. And so Jesus was taking the right action at a right time. He prayed out loud to God at that moment, right after he told her, what are you doing? Don't question me. And he prayed out loud and he said this, and I love it. And he wasn't begging, but he was declaring, in, in gratitude, he was declaring his dream. And he says, Father, thank you. You always hear me. And I say this out loud for the benefit of all these people watching me today, that your divine example works through me. Isn't that interesting? He wasn't begging. He did a, he, he did a declaration statement to the creative source, infinite intelligence. we got to stop hiding our light. We got to start stop hiding our religious teachings from people because we don't want to upset them, right? We got to stop worrying about what other people call us names that aren't so nice. Jesus prayed out loud. Why can't we? Jesus spoke his truth out loud. He was an example. Why can't we? You should never be afraid of uh, afraid of what you believe. Jesus made this declaration before the raising of the dead. He didn't do it after, because he understood the law of timing. If he had begun to pray 
uh, after the ceremony, nobody would have heard of it and been distracted. But he set them up to understand something great was coming forward. And we got to start paying attention to the presence of God in our life. But how do we do that? You know, so often I talk about signs and symbols in my life. I see them almost every single week, several days apart. And it lets me know I'm exactly in the right path, doing the right thing, heading in the right direction, supporting the right vibration. And those we call signs, symbols, and intuitive senses. And they tell me, they tell us, God works through me. And they tell me that the spirit world of life and all those personalities, those souls, that they are supporting me on this great journey. And we have to start paying attention. You know, it's, uh, Reverend Tim, I'm going to uh, brag on you a little bit. A couple of years ago, when you came to this church, I think it was around October, November, and he tells his stories. He came around the corner and he parks his car. He instantly felt that he was in divine time. He knew he was at the right place at the right time, beginning a right journey. And so here he is today, continuing with us. But I think that story is very interesting because he could feel the presence of God come over him. Some people call that the Holy Spirit. You could just feel this quickening of energy. You knew you were exactly where you needed to be. He knew where he needed to be, and he came here. Very interesting. He felt divine timing. And just as a perfect little cooking example, because some of us love to cook, let's talk about divine timing. And I like to call this that Goldilocks effect. When you're cooking, say you're cooking some potatoes, right? And you get that pot of water, you got your potatoes in there, and it takes forever to go get to boil, but you got a lid on there. And so what's happening with that heat and that lid is you're building pressure. It's maturing, it's cooking, it's getting, it's heading to its goal of boiling, right? Getting that rolling boil. And so if we take that lid off early, what happens? It's the right action at the wrong time. You're going to lose some pressure. You're going to lose momentum. You're not going to reach your goal of all potatoes, that nice rolling boil. Okay, so what happens when uh, when that lid starts to rattle and steam comes out? What's that? That's the right time, right? That means you've got it at a good level. Just let it keep going. Don't mess with it. And so then if you if you wait too long and it suddenly boils over and water's going everywhere and all those little bubbles going everywhere, making a mess, blowing out the pilot light, what happens? You waited too long. Wrong. The, your right intention was there, but you waited too long. And so now you've got a mess of everything. So your goal of nice mashed potatoes is going to be a challenge. And so it's the same principle. When we, when we talk about all of this, uh, uh, we understand that there's a, a divine timing in everything, whether it's cooking, whether it's showing up to serve, uh, serve others in life, whether it's showing up to serve my dreams, whether it's showing up to love myself, love my family, step into my truth. There's always a reason. There's always a, a, a right time to step into it. Now, I want you to understand Jesus understood this law of divine timing, right action at the right time. He demonstrated this through this beautiful story of this man who became sick and Jesus raised him from the dead. That story was so perfectly orchestrated, so beautifully written. Whether it happened or not, we don't know. But what we do know is that there is massive symbology in that story that applies to our personal life. In fact, almost every single story that we can find in the Bible applies personally to your life. Try to find where those stories can be applied in your life because it will make a difference for you, a big difference. If we wish to step into the flow of divine timing in our lives, all you're going to do is start living and doing two simple things. And I mentioned those in the beginning, prayer and meditation. And what is prayer and meditation? A time of tithing back a portion, a tiny portion 
I mean, even five minutes, just get into the groove of meditating, of, of focusing your energy, your consciousness, your awareness into the higher realms of life. Give back a portion of the life that God has given you every single day through that breath. Give a small portion back. When you start doing that, it will start aligning you to what we call being in the flow. Your life will get easier. Synchronicities will start pushing, uh, start happening more often in your life. It's not a coincidence. It's divine synchronicity, divine timing. You're in the right place at the right time. So get started meditating. Uh, get started meditating and praying. And then express in those prayers, in your meditation, what I love to say, that attitude of gratitude. Amen? Amen. I hope you've enjoyed some of this this morning. And if you've enjoyed, been enjoying yourself with us today, I just ask you to rise up. Thank you. Thank you. Rise up and enjoy. Let's celebrate this song together. This is